Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is The Ziggler Show, inspired by the grandfather of inspiration himself, Zig Ziggler. Our focus here is you and your personal development. The way to have more tomorrow is to become more today. So we bring you the best of today's world influencers and discover how we can truly apply new and classic methodologies of personal growth to our lives. In this episode, I bring you what I believe to be the most powerful influence in your life, bar none. And I don't like titles claiming to be the end all or holy grail for anything, but I believe this claim just to be irrefutable. The biggest influence in your life is your inner voice, your personal thoughts. They weren't pre-programmed at birth. You have so far spent a lifetime having your inner voice programmed either proactively with intention, or you've allowed other people and things to program you though. The truth for everyone is it's both. But to what percentages? The danger is we primarily believe our thoughts. We feel they came from our beliefs and what we deem to be true. But brain and personal development research has proven this to be false. How you perceive yourself and what you believe about yourself is often a faulty perspective. More importantly, if you want to become something different, you must start telling yourself something different. Well, Zig Ziglar made this topic one of his primary messages of all time. And in this show, we hear him deliver a seven-minute message about it that will equip you to do something about your own voice. And from that, I posted this question on Facebook, the voice inside your head, what is a positive and negative label it gives you? I had Tom Ziegler join me to talk through these real world comments from real people like you and me. As always, the comments were just authentic, vulnerable, some of them really hard hitting. Tom and I will start with you going through these comments as soon as I thank our esteemed sponsors. Well, Tom, this is a message from your dear father that you know inside and out. And yet I know that it's something that none of us are free from. So I'll post, pose the question to you right off the bat. Voice inside your head was a positive and negative label it gives you. What does Tom Ziegler voice, Tom's voice give you good and bad up there? Well, first off, the voice inside of my head sounds a lot like Zig Ziglar. Hmm. So... I had those tapes play in my head, of course, had conversations with dad. And so kind of the positive voice is, uh, wow, just do it, you know, yeah. go, go for it. What you're going to do is going to be great. Um, you know, and I hear that I support you a hundred percent, you know, you're a child of God, just do it. Yeah. And then the negative voice is kind of the same voice. It's kind of, it's not dad's voice, but it's like, well, wait a second. What if people don't like it? Um, I did that little survey that that we sent out uh, or that we offered on one of the podcasts. And it said that my kind of my superpower killer is I'm a procrastinator. And so when I dug into it, it's because, you know, maybe just maybe I get a little bit too much self-worth from the product that what I produce. Mm -hmm. And so the negative self-talk is, is, Oh, it's not ready yet. You know, I need to think about that some more. Yeah. Uh, let's wait on that just a little bit longer. And I always kind of wondered why, you know, because that's, that's my Achilles heel. When I, when I'm under a deadline, I get it done. When I'm not under a deadline, I need to create a deadline to get it done. And I've always wondered that. Why is that? And I, and I think 
gosh, I just, I just think that, you know, maybe if it's not perfect, maybe if it's not everything I could do, maybe whatever it is, instead of like Seth Godin says, instead of just shipping it, yeah. you know, maybe people will think less of me. Yeah. And, um, so I've got those two voices going on. Zig Ziglar's voice. He usually wins by the way. Uh, <laughs> Good. Good. That's whatever, whatever. I'm just, I'm just being blunt, you know, mm-hmm. because we all look at the, we all look at the prism and the rainbow that we see everybody else through. And, you know, we put so much stuff out here. I'm sure that everybody thinks, golly, those Zigglers, you know, they're always coming up with something new. But man, when you're down in the trenches and you know that there's five things you should be doing and instead you're doing something else and that voice is going, come on, you need to do it. You need to do it. That's what gets me. Well, I'm just glad to hear that Zig wins. It's like that old, uh, the old adage, you know, which uh, the guy who has the two dogs that he bets on to fight, which one wins? That's uh, the one I feed all week. So uh, not surprising there. Man, I, I had to think about this one, Tom. Uh, it wasn't something that I tangibly had concrete in my mind. What is a positive and negative label? You know, what is that voice inside my head? I think the positive one, kind of like yours, is you can do it. I mean, that literally is a real voice, a positive voice in my head. My parents had so much to do with that. They let me try so many things. I witnessed them trying so many things and failure was never a big, a big fear at all. And they taught me good work ethic. If I work hard enough at it, it'll, it'll come to come to fruition. So that's, that's really one of the best voices I have up there on the negative side. I'm, I am aware of this one that the one that I struggle with is the voice that says that I don't truly care for people. Uh, and I think some of it motivates, maybe not in always a healthy way, my efforts to care for people. And when I get that statement from you know a kid or my wife or someone else that feels to me, that it's a statement saying that I didn't care for them. Well, I didn't care for them. Oh man, that's the one that haunts me the most. It really is. And you know, I look at my life, I can even step back and and go, gosh, my that's, that's what my life is, is caring for other people. And yet that's the one that haunts me. I think because of my, you know, I'm aware of my own negative thoughts and sometimes I don't have always positive thoughts towards others. And so there's, uh, there's my battle there. And, and what we're talking about here, we're going to hear this similar thread from a lot of people. And so uh, I'll just read in. I'm sure anything we would think of is going to come out as we go through them. And I did, I did allow people, if they didn't want to give their name with one, if they didn't have to. And the first one here is anonymous. And he said, uh, you're not capable, that the voice is, you're not capable of anything more than what you've ever done. Everyone else is smarter than you. And that's why you aren't capable of doing things at a high enough level to earn you the money you desire. Uh, he said, that's the negativity that I cannot shake. So that was a, a private message admission uh, from somebody. Wow. And yeah, man, that's, that is, that's, that is hard to knowing that that's hard to overcome. I mean, there we are. Then we're, then we're there to Zig's message on, he's going to have to work on that. It literally create what's a, what's the alternative statement, I guess that he could create and start speaking to himself because I obviously, I mean, there's, you know, there's no way that everyone else is smarter than you. I mean, that's not a, that's not a correct statement for anyone. I get it, but that's one to speak against in a big way. I think you've got to redefine what the definition of success is. 
right? I mean, success is not perfection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got none of us got a prayer on that. Is it, you know, what is success? Six, success to me, uh, and I studied this all last week, trying to figure out how to help people motivate themselves. And a lot of times people are stuck. And one of the voices that they deal with is, hey, it's not going to matter anyway. You're never going to be better than you ever were in the mm-hmm. past. But one of the pure motivators is called locus of control. And that's where you you say, my, my long-term objective is A, and this little thing I can do right now is going to get me closer to A. And I have control over this little thing. And so the way you get excited about the little things you have control over. And then freedom comes when you don't worry about the consequences of that little thing. Hmm. You just do it. Because whether you do it perfect or halfway or 20% because you didn't know how, you're still better off doing it. Yeah. Right? And so our definition of success isn't did we do it perfect? Did somebody else approve or disapprove? That doesn't matter. The question is, are we closer to our big why after we've attempted it? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, that's where we get our validation from. Uh, that's that's good. It, it's somewhat along the lines of what I was thinking with uh, with this gentleman too. And you know, I did find it back when I did a lot of coaching, a lot of walking with people, trying to progress. Sometimes when they look at that, like like that, you're not capable of of, of anything more than what you've ever done. And I think a lot of people were looking at at a big initiative, like starting a new business or something like that, something like that, and really struggling with faith. And we finally came to the concept of let's get you some little wins to prove to yourself that you can do X, Y, Z. And sometimes just the physical things were some of the most simple and tangible ones. Not easy, but simple and tangible. Like, can you lose a little weight? Can you do a 5K? That was a big one for a lot of people. Sign up for something and do it and prove to yourself that you can do it and that you can progress. And just those things got them to see themselves in a different light. And once they do that and say, I, I am capable, I can do something. I can change. I can make a progression. I can achieve something, even if it's on a little scale next to what you're really looking at, uh, was a big help. And again, start fighting against that. But I mean, to, to who wrote this, I mean, you just heard Zig's message and I would write out your own uh, opposite statement that you're speaking to yourself twice a day, three times a day, looking in the mirror, speaking out loud and start working against that. But I think you just spoke for a lot of people who feel that way. He, Tom, this one was interesting because this is all she wrote. Let's see. What is that? One, two, three, four, five words. If they really knew me, dot, dot, dot. And she got a lot of likes, a lot of people who you know clicked on that as well. And I think you just hit on, uh, her name's Lori. Lori, you just hit on a foundational, what, stumbling block of all personal development, personal growth, and self-image as well. Even as we try to do these things, even as we see ourselves do something of value, achieve something, do something kind. Uh, You know, back to me, when I really do do something that's caring well for somebody, they feel cared for. And yet the voice inside my head is thinking, yeah, but I just, I did that, but I'm thinking X, Y, Z. I don't know that we can ever escape that though, Tom. I mean, we're, we're never going to be perfect beings. We're never going to have perfect thoughts. Zig Ziglar, 
uh, it was impossible for him to have 100% pure and positive thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I saw a great, um, and, and great Facebook posters come along very infrequently these days, but this one kind of caught my attention. It said, uh, Hey, if you think your calling is too big, don't worry. God's already factored in your stupidity. That's really good. <laughs> so, so if you really knew me, wait a second, the creator of the universe who knows everything. That is good. Already knows us. Yeah. And he's already said, you got this. Right? Now, if you go alone, it's going to be hard. I don't recommend it. But you got this. And I'm going to be there with you. And so I think, you you know, there's a, there's a, a word that says, or there's a little a Jedi mind trick. Um, when you say things like, I'd never do that, right? When, when you're self-talking, mm-hmm. I'll never, I could never do that. So when that thought pops into your mind, just say it again. Until now, mm. I never would have done that. Yeah. So, so when that thought pops in your head, if they really knew me, <laughs> just replace it with God really knows me. And he said, I'm good enough. I'm going to go find that meme. Uh, that's, it really is. That's powerful that he's already factored in you know, my stupidity, my limits, my lack. Yeah. Uh, that's, I'm going to go find that one. I mean, think right. about Moses when Moses is negotiating with God. Yeah. I can't talk. Yeah. I mean, it's like, God's like, wait a second. Yeah. I, I knew that. <laughs> Maybe what? I, you don't think I know that. Come that's, on. That's like a t-shirt or something right there. God, I'm okay. God's already factored in my stupidity. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. That may be the title for the show right there. Um, here's a couple, Tom, from a couple ladies, Carolyn Delaney. She says on the positive, she says, I'm resilient and faithful on the negative. I'm undisciplined. Jennifer says, uh, I'm smart and creative. Negative is I'm unattractive and unlovable. And, you know, I'm thinking about people as they're thinking through these things that it's great that they have positives. I think there's a lot of people who don't even have any positives running through their heads, places where they're really confident. So they have those, but then these ones that you can hear the haunting, I'm, I'm undisciplined, uh, man, that's a harsh one as you're pursuing any kind of progress. And then with Jennifer, I'm unattractive and unlovable. Um, those are those are stout and ladies, thank you for sharing these publicly because you spoke for so many people that one, uh, I'm undisciplined again, probably a foundational, what Tom Achilles heel of any personal growth. I think to some degree, we all, we all feel that no matter how good we get, we still feel cause we, again, we're, we hear, we know that it's like that. What Lori said, if they really knew me, I don't, I do know me and I know that I don't really want to do that. And even in your, as you're doing these good things to still feel like I'm undisciplined because my head is still has negative thoughts towards X, Y, Z that I'm supposed to do. Yeah. One of our uh, certified trainers from South Africa, his name is Stane Rousseau. When I was trying to get in shape, I said, what's good affirmation? Hmm. He said, just say over and over and over again, I'm getting fitter and fitter 
every day in every way. Hmm. Amazing. So that discipline thing, golly, what a great statement. Hey, I'm getting more and more disciplined every day in every way. And you, that's like a mantra. I mean, you can mm-hmm. say it 20 times in a row just in your head every time that that thought comes up. And the same thing will happen to you, what happened to me on the fitness thing. I was driving in the mall to park to go inside, and I always, I'm like a vulture you know, hunting the closest parking spot because why would you walk any extra? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) un-American. So I pull in and I park like 20 rows back and I'm walking in and I'm like, what just happened here? And I realized that in my, in my, I know for a fact that a great hack for getting in shape is just to park a little bit further everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. I mean, those extra steps over a year really add up. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what happened. That's what played out. My subconscious knew what I was trying to accomplish. And it just parked me in a place that was safe and secure. And it gave me a little walk. If you do the same thing with the discipline or many of these issues that we're talking about, I'm getting more and more disciplined every day in every way. Then your subconscious is going to start telling you to create little habits that create discipline. And discipline's like anything else. You're not born with it. I mean, it's not like you wake up and you, there's a a planner by your crib, you know, with yeah. the with the calendaring system. And I'm gonna, you know, how many babies do push-ups before they eat breakfast? I mean, none of them do, right? So you've you've got to learn it. That's a that's a. That's a big one. I would, you know, and I, I talk about this all the time when I choose to win that discipline is my Achilles heel. And so I've had to build routines. So, you know, that quote, uh, you are born to win, but in order to be the winner you were born to be, you must plan to win, prepare to win, yeah. and then and only then can you expect to win. Another one of my friends, uh, Aaron Alejandro, I don't think he said it first, but I heard it from him him first. He said, uh, we're not born winners and we're not born losers, but we're all born choosers. Mm -hmm. And so we can can choose when we see any of these bad negative self-talk things, we can choose to change it, reframe it. And over time, it has an impact. Well, I want to pull out uh, based on some of what you talked about there too. And we're talking about discipline. So folks, uh, if you haven't heard it show five, let's see, this is show uh, seven fourteen. show five fifty two. We did with Benjamin Hardy. He wrote the book. Willpower doesn't work. And it was real contra- not contrary. That's actually a disservice to call it that, but it is a, you know, somewhat of a contrarian view on discipline. He's saying we, we have a finite amount and he really does talk uh, uh, not against discipline, but, uh, of kind of calling it a misnomer to a degree. Uh, but he talks about setting our lifestyles up to where we don't have to 
rely on our willpower to feel like, you know, disciplined, but set our lifestyles up to still have those healthy habits. Uh, anyways, I really recommend you go check out that show five fifty two. And I did want to say too, Tom, your thing of parking out there, that has been one of the, I, I enjoy that. I do that. I park far away. If I'm by myself, I'll usually jog in if it's a grocery store or whatever, just cause I don't know, I'm in a hurry anyway. So I just get a little, get a little run in stairs. My wife and I have always been that we'll go to a hotel and you know, if it's 20 stairs. I mean, I may do that for the workout, but I'm not going to do that constantly. But I've said so many times where we're at a place for three or four days and it's three or four flights of stairs and never once, maybe only with our luggage, do we use the elevator? Uh, my wife works at a place a couple times a week, a research facility. And I think she's, she's just on the second floor, but it's somehow they, it's funky stairs. It's like four different little flights, never uses the elevator. And it's at first, you know, she was just kind of, uh, didn't understand, you know, her coworkers, they'd come in and go right to the, to the elevator and she would choose the stairs and they treated her like she was kind of weird at first. Now they take the stairs. Uh, she started that, that trend. It is. So I just wanted folks to hear that. It's such a great one. I'm now using a Garmin, you know, wearable device like the Fitbit or whatever. And I'm doing it to track my rides, my morning rides and, and stuff, but it also does your steps. And it was interesting to look at because I'll see some days where I only do, you know, 4,000 steps and others, where it's 9,000 and it really shows you how sedentary you're being. Uh, and I have to look at it even with a big workout. I can still go the whole day sitting on my butt with my heart rate at 60 beats per minute doing nothing. So uh, it was just, that's an interesting one. I'm glad you brought it out. You are listening to The Ziggler Show, which I thank you for. And this topic of self-talk is just massive. I'm certain that you resonate with much that has already been shared. Coming up next, we have a lady who's battling the voice that says, starting a business is nuts at my age. Really a common issue of dealing with age and is it too late for me? So Tom and I spend a good deal of time on this one. I'll bring it to you right after sharing with gratitude our show sponsors. Uh, here's a good one. Rebecca, she says, you can't, uh, this is the voice. You can't be serious. Starting a business is nuts at your age. You're heading towards 60 life is happening. Now get started. Uh, you know, you won't know until you try, but that one, how many people are stick are stuck there right now as the years pass to think, man, I'm already this long in life. I don't know where I think, I, I think I, I really don't know. I'm going to guess though that I'm going to bet that here in America, we are uh, some of the worst at looking at age and feeling like, man, when you hit about 50 or so, you know, you're kind of winding down. And then of course, 65 hits and retirement age and Medicare and those types of things. And it f can feel like that. And you can start doing, I was, you know, I can do the math. I'm, let's see, I'm 48 man. It's, it's not that many years until that happens. Start thinking it's th time's, it's too late for X, Y, Z. And then yet we have people like your dad, you know, who into their seventies and eighties are still writing books and producing things. And so now, so for her to think, let's say she is 60 and she's going to start a business. And let's say she looks at the next five years of trial and turbulence and tribulation and all those things to finally get to a certain point and have, she's 65. 
we would expect her to have five, 10, 15, 20. I don't know. It's just, there's a health issue in there, obviously. Uh, but years of enjoying what she's done. I'll tell you, I had a good friend, a close friend who right before 60, she was like 57 or so stopped a corporate career, high paying corporate career, went after a counseling degree and licensing and certification and all that jazz and did it. Took her two years. She did some accelerated courses, busted her butt going, doing her real job and doing this on the side, whatever, got her degree, went out, put her shingle out for a business, slow growth, yada, yada. And then she was there doing what she loved to do. And she did that for a number of years until she was done with that. She had a full second career that she's now stopped that one as well. It was really empowering and uh, inspiring to see her do that. So Rebecca, you spoke for a lot of people. I think again, we're, it's a common cultural malady, especially in America that once you get fifties and especially hit that 60 mark that you're winding down. And I, I don't, I, I mean, I get it culturally, but, uh, I mean, Hey, you, you speak at it, Tom. I know that Zig was very uh, vocal on his feelings about getting older and retirement and yeah. Yeah, he had a he had a lady come to him. She's a nurse in her mid forties, I think, and she wanted to go back to medical school. And she said, "But Zig, I'm too old." He said, "Well, how long is it going to take you to finish that out?" And she said, "Well, four, maybe five more years." And I'm already like forty two. And then he looks at her and says, "Well, if you don't go to medical school, how old are you going to be in five years?" It's the same. Same amount of time. Same. So last week, uh, maybe it was 10 days ago, a guy named Steve Anderson, we're starting some discussions with him. He has a, a company called Work Camper. Okay. So Work Camper are RVers, and what they do is they live the RV lifestyle, and they'll go and live for, say, three months at a national park or a tourist attraction, and they'll get a part-time job there. In return, uh, they can park their RV there for free and they make, you know, 10 bucks an hour or whatever they agree to pay. And they only have to work like 16 hours and they get this huge tax write off on the RV. Hmm. And so when people are thinking about doing this, he said, they're, we, we call them dreamers. And I go, what do you mean? And he said, well, their, their attitude coming in is, golly, I've always wanted to live that lifestyle. I mean, I can't think of anything better than following the sun and being in the national parks and Colorado and Wyoming and, you know, and then in the summer, maybe going to Key West or these different areas and working and making new friends and seeing the country. But, you know, I've done the same thing my whole life. I'm 60 years old. I don't have enough money to do that. I can't do that. And then here's the story that he tells. And he talks to him all the time. He told me of a story with a lady her and her husband, this was their dream. They'd been talking about it for like 10 years. And just right before they get ready to do it, they, they're in their 60s now. Mm-hmm. He dies. So now she has the ability, but nobody to do it. Yeah, with. goodness. Okay. And so what's the point? The point is that our self-talk says, oh, you can never do that. It's too risky. What have you, you know, what, man, what have you got to lose? Your dream, if you don't do it, yeah. it doesn't mean that you you take incredible risk. It means that you learn everything you have to know in order to go get it, and you go after it step by step. So what if it takes you two years to get the education? So what if you have to 
to lean up and really get on a budget for a few years until you can make the break to go in this other direction. But there are so many opportunities that RVers don't even understand as far as the businesses they can run out of an RV and how they can make extra income on the on the road. And really, you know, one of the things that they do, which is kind of cool, is they've trained these technicians to go in and do FEMA housing. So when a hurricane comes in, FEMA takes in temporary housing and then they have to have somebody certify that house as livable. And so a bunch of these RV people have been certified as technicians. They're the only ones that can provide that service because they bring their house with them. I mean, when you go into a devastated area, all the hotels, everything's occupied by the displaced residents and the insurance agents and all that. So the reason that you think you can't because of self-talk is probably the reason you should, because somebody needs your help on the other side. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I, I will have to do a plug for my sister, Ashley Logston. I think you can find most of her stuff at Field Trip Gypsies. Uh, she and her husband and three kids have been full-time RVers for, I think, going on three years now. Uh, it's just That's just the, what they chose, and they now do teaching on that, on how to do that, how to work, yada, yada. It's really neat stuff. So a podcast. Uh, anyways, check it out, Field Trip Gypsies. You know, on that too, Tom, another thing that sticks out to me with uh, the age issue is if you're at that place. Let's say you are 60, and you're having that question that it's a pithy old cliche of, you know, it'd be about it being the journey, not the destination, man, in this scenario, it's so true because on the, on the other side of saying, ah, you know, I'm, if you, if you are, if you do decide you're too old, then what? I mean, that's pretty depressing. Then, then what? Not, nothing. You're not striving for anything. You're not going forward. Yeah. So worst case scenario, you spend two years trying to go after something that doesn't totally uh, work out exactly like you thought, or it takes longer, yada, yada, whatever. Hopefully, well, we would assume you're going after something that you do want to do, that you enjoy. And the journey is such a gift. I think so, so often, uh, that is the biggest motivator for me to, you know, get out of bed. I don't I'm not always envisioning the destination and I'm not always envisioning the goal. A lot of times I'm just grateful that I have something interesting to do today. Uh, obviously, you know, to, to make a buck as well, I've got to do that. But I enjoy working on something and how people talk about having, uh, you know, uh, just, just time, free time and time to kill, man. I, I am grateful. I think I fear boredom more than anything else. I'm grateful for lots of things to build and create and, uh, yeah, pursue. So I, I look at the pursuit too. That's one where sometimes I don't know if it's the goal that would motivate me even as much as, as just nothing. So yeah. there's a good question it- to ask. So I think some of this information I, I got out of uh, Charles Duhigg's book, um, Better, Smarter, Faster. Some I think okay. that's the title. It's close, but but they were talking about. Um, um, it might not be his book. It's another mi- economic misbehavior or something like that by another guy. Uh, anyway, I'm weird. I'm a nerd. I like these kind of stats. But what they discovered is that when people move into a retirement community, like in a assisted living place, the, the ones that uh, go along and just eat whatever they say and do whatever activity they say, they live a lot shorter lives 
than what they call the disruptives. Mm -hmm. So what's a disruptive? It's somebody who they serve dinner to and that person's like, no, I, I want a hamburger. I don't want that. In other words, they have control in their head of their life. Yeah. Regardless of the circumstances, they're in control of what they want to do. Interesting. And, and so I think uh, the older we get, I think there's kind of almost this like this concept of, hey, you just need to go along, right? Just do what society says. Just do what kids say. Don't take any risks. But what dad said was it's not the accomplishment of the goal that's so important. It's who you become in pursuit of the goal that's important. Yeah. And so you're at this, you know, this age where it's like, should I? What's the risk? Man, break it down into locus of control, the things that you can do to make yourself get closer to it and watch how you develop into a new person in the process. You may discover something you don't even know right now that's even more appealing six months into the journey. Uh, that is, that is such a powerful one, Tom, that who you are becoming. And I have a stark experience of that in my own life. I was gosh, 24. When my oldest son was born, he had significant medical issues, he had epilepsy. Uh, and we went from, I went from being a professional cyclist to living in a hospital uh, with my kid. And what followed that, I just, I just stopped. I, I stopped that and I ended up getting a, a, a real job. My only, you know, a real official job I've ever had in my life for about two years. And I did nothing. Uh, I did, I was, I was pretty much sedentary, no exercise thing, nothing I was pursuing. And it was finally after about two years, my wife conspired with uh, one of the local bike shop owners to get me back going again, but she got me a bike and she said, would you just go out and train? You're just a better person when you're training. Uh, she didn't care about racing. She didn't care about my results. She said, you are, you know, like you said, you become a better person when you're doing X, Y, Z. So it was the journey that she put in my face. It was so stark. And so, yeah, for folks here, I, I, I agree with what you said that there is so much life in that pursuit of whatever and I've seen that, and I used to judge, all right, literally. I, I would judge some of people's pursuits and go, really, you devoted your life to something that I did not see much meaning in. And I finally came to some uh, needed wisdom of realizing it doesn't matter so much what they're doing. what Because the, I was looking at the outcome, the result. They are a better person. And so if they're a better person by pursuing whatever, I may not understand the pursuit in and of itself. Who cares if it makes them a better person? Yeah, a great little question to ask yourself on this. Let's just say um, there's something you want to go after and the voice in your head keeps discouraging you. Just like consciously put that voice to the side and give yourself permission to dream for a second. Okay, anything's possible. Time, money, resources, they're no object. One year from now, if you were experiencing everything that you wanted to experience... And then name the part of your life, mm -hmm. your physical life, your relationships, your business, your, you know, your community of faith, whatever it is, right? Your experience in everything that you wanted, how would you feel? Mm -hmm. And then just let those feelings take hold and then ask yourself, okay, what's the little thing I can do right now to get me closer to that end result? Because guess what? That feeling, it's worth it. Yeah. You know, 
because you've got to change in order to get it. That is good counsel. And it's something that I have to do for myself continually. Um, you know, here, here's one and I don't, I'll, I'm going to say up front, I don't know that I have a response. So hopefully you will, Tom. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to share it because we had a lot of people who, you know, liked it and even some who responded to it. So it obviously hit a nerve. Lorena, she says, here's the voice says, wow, you have the ability to strike up a conversation with anybody in the world, exclamation point, but you can't even have a conversation with your kids right after that, you know, a bunch of likes and how, you know, all the stuff that people do on Facebook. Uh, but Sarah, Sarah, uh, Gamble, she says, Oh my goodness, I relate to this. Uh, and then somebody else said, it's a real struggle for me. And so I thought that's interesting that that obviously hit a nerve with some folks that you have the ability voice says to strike up a conversation with anybody in the world, but let's just say relate to people. Well, maybe have interest yada yada. But obviously I would put this in the guilt shame category. You can't even have a conversation with your kids. I don't have some big epiphany off that, Tom. That's just a sharing. Any thoughts? Oh, if you're a parent, you've been there. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It, it, and it is. It's hard. Uh, I can tell you what helped us is, is you just learn. I mean, you just study it. You just study what makes good conversation, what makes a good relationship. What are the things that you need to do? And my daughter, when she was in her, um, got into her teen years, very closed. You know, it was, yep, uh-huh, nothing, yeah. you know, typical stuff. But as soon as she started to fade, like getting tired, she would open up. And so you kind of got to make a project out of each one of your kids because, you got more than one. They got totally different personalities. And then you got you to gotta be intentional about planning the best time to have conversations. Hey, and guess what? Sometimes, like with my daughter, first thing in the morning, the first couple of hours she wakes up, it, there's not going to be, I'm, I could, I'm not going to strike up a meaningful conversation with her. Yeah. <laughs> She's just not ready for it. Yeah. Right. So you can't take all the blame because there's two people involved. And the second thing is, hey, you know what? You you can learn things that will help you do that. Yeah. Um, so I would flip that self-talk from I can't even have a conversation with my kids to I'm learning something new about how to have a conversation with my kids every day. Yeah. And guess what? They're going to grow up and change. The circumstances are going to change. The trials and joys and traumas of life are going to change, and that's going to change the environment and the atmosphere, and that's going to change the conversation. And, you know, I, I, as one who has a lot of kids, I've still got them ages, um, what are they now, six, to, six or seven to 25, I think. And, you know, kids are different. Uh, you get different genders, different personalities. Uh, you, there's also some time and she didn't give an age timeline, but I'll tell you when kids are kind of that middle school age of what is that? 12, 13, 14, something like that. Uh, and I, and maybe more so boys, at least I, it, it has been in my experience. There is a time and it, it's difficult that they don't like you talked about, uh, with your daughter where there's just, they don't have a whole lot to offer. I think they're figuring themselves out or they're, they're confused as all get out. 
and they have a harder time relating. Now they're looking at you. You were the grand, you know, great parent. Now they're looking at you kind of weird and questioning because they're questioning themselves and the culture. And uh, sometimes there's a need. And I struggle to say this. I was going to say there's a need to have grace for ourselves, but I also get, get a little bristly when parents talk negatively about it and then cop out with it as well and just say, ah, kids are kids too. I mean, like you said, Tom, I think we need to continually be pressing in and trying to figure that kid out, figure out their personality style, figure out their love languages, figure these things out. But here's one that I really would almost put top of the list that I have employed successfully with my kids is just admit it. Just tell them. Just say, you know what? I was your age once, but I wasn't you. And I don't remember it all. And now I'm a different person and I'm trying to parent you. And I'm just a guy or I'm just a gal trying to figure out. And I don't know how to be the best parent to you. I'm trying and I want to so bad. And I'm so sorry uh, for where I lack, where I don't know. Uh, That I have found has produced the best results in my own parenting, at least. It's just talking and letting them know of my heart and my care and of my lack uh, it doesn't mean that you're a patsy and let them walk all over you or whatever either. But, um, man, just being real is so powerful uh, with your kids. And I see a lot of parents not do that, I think, just out of ignorance. Again, just just not that it just never occurred to them, uh, which if I had a dollar for every parenting thing that didn't occur to me for years and years, and I finally realized and wished, oh, my gosh, I wish I knew that 10 years ago. Yeah, whatever. Again, have grace. But um, be real with your kids. Yeah. Lots Mark of Tim, a Ziegler family, has a great story. His grandfather used to take him fishing. So, you know, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And every time they would go fishing, Mark would catch a ton of fish, and his grandfather would catch nothing. Hmm. And his grandfather would always say, Mark, you're the greatest fisherman ever. You are amazing. Well, when he was 12 or 13, I can't remember his age, Mark baited his hook, and he threw it in. And he looked over and he watched his grandfather throw his, you know, line in with the bobber on it. His grandfather didn't have any bait on the hook. Wow. Wow. So all those years when they went fishing together, his grandfather wasn't fishing for fish. That's a cool story. That's a cool story. And I think we get so caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. Hey, we got to go to this game and we got to go to this activity. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we just get torn between all these pressures when we should just really slow down and say, Hey, you know what? The event is not why we're doing it. Right. The event's going to be an event, whether we're there or not, why we're doing it is I'm going to watch my kids. Yeah. And I'm just going to see how they're interacting with each other, how they're getting on, with the event and I'm just going to be ready for that conversation because the life changing conversations happen in the middle of it. Yeah. You you can't say, Hey, Tuesday at two, we're going to have a meeting and we're going to have a heart to heart. Yeah. Right. We could do a parenting podcast on this one. There's, it's always such a priority for my, in my life in that role as a father. Um, you know, on, on, I will just add what you, to what you said there, Tom, that as I have gotten older, um, as I've matured, I hope as a parent and seen my, my own experience, but also seeing my peers 
and people whose kids have become teenagers and gone past that and seeing the, uh, some of the struggles and some of the victories and seeing that I am more than ever sold on, uh, the efforts that we make to do all these great things for our kids, uh, are infinitesimal, uh, next to just being not the doing, but the being. And we do, I mean, we do plenty of stuff as a family, but more times than not, we'll give up the big effort to go do some epic thing and just be, just be together. And the relationship uh, that you have to foster, I'm not saying it's easy, but the being is so much, I I see so much more fruit from that than the doing. And it hurts my heart to see parents I've known that have done, it feels like 15 times as far as effort and experiences and uh, adventures I've done 15 times more than I ever did. And now they're so disheartened to see their kids go away. That's hard for their hearts. And I come back to the being that we miss that, uh, sometimes amongst that doesn't have to be either, or maybe it can be both, but it's the being that the doing stuff they send, uh, the kids forget it's, uh, it's that relationship that we have or not with them. I just had a long, long conversation with my three oldest boys last night on this. And, uh, I, I feel feel pretty validated with, with that perspective. So food for food for thoughts for the parents out there. Hey, Tom, I'm going to end us on one. Laura shares here. She says her, her positive voice and listen to these words. I'm strong, caring, valuable, worth listening to and spending time with. That's the positive voice. It's pretty stout. So the negative I'm selfish and worthless. You've got two ends of the spectrum right there of, and I think it's relevant to, to look, if we step back, we can see some of the things that we do. We know that we're a good hearted person. We know we have good intent. And so she's able to say that I'm strong, caring, valuable, worth listening to and spending time with. And yet there's that voice in there. I am selfless and I am worthless. And honestly, Tom, and I know, I know Laura, uh, amazing woman, accomplished athlete, uh, devoted mom. And I, it's hard for me not to hear that coming from her and to acknowledge if we can get spiritual here for a moment, acknowledge that there's a war going on and we have an enemy that, uh, that does not want us feeling strong and caring and valuable and worthy in our heads and is whispering to us because there's no place for her to be feeling like that. I'm selfish and I'm worthless. Again, we all have those thoughts and those feelings inside of us, but what do we act on? I don't believe that's how the world experiences her. Um, that there's a, there's, there's a, there's a battle being waged that we've got to tend to, uh, as well. And I know Laura understands that, uh, because I think when she says that she speaks for a lot of people and all of us, is there ever a time a day when I want to some degree feel like, man, that was a selfish thought, Kevin, or, uh, you know, am I really worth, am I really worth it? I know that I am, man, those voices come in. I don't know that we can ever stop. I'm totally Tom. We just got to take them, take them captive. Yep. Yeah. Well, yesterday, uh, actually Saturday night, Saturday night church. Here was the sermon. Uh, the sermon was called help mm. like help <clears throat> exclamation yep. point. Here they are, three short prayers. Lord, help me to fill my mind. So the number one battle we face is the battle of the mind. Mm-hmm. So we got to choose the right information in. Mm-hmm. Number two, 
Lord, help me to guard my mind. And so when these negative self-talk things happen or outside images happen or somebody speaks negative into you happen, we guard it and reject it. If it doesn't matter, if it doesn't match the truth that we know we've intentionally brought in, then we don't have to accept it. We can reject it. It's not coming from us. It's not coming from the creator. And number three is Lord, help me to train my mind. So the first, you know, we talk about there's four, um, four levels of learning. Okay. Or consciousness. (laughs) There's unconscious incompetence. You don't know what you don't know, right? These, we, we tease, we say, these are happy people. <laughs> they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. But then the day comes where you're like, man, I, I, I need to get control of my mind. Yeah. So now we are consciously incompetent. Hmm. We know we don't know, okay? But this is where the choice comes in. We choose to train it. And so that's the good part is we've been equipped. We have everything necessary. We just now have to train our mind. And so what are the three keys? Once again, real simple. Mm-hmm. We put the right stuff in. We choose the right information. Second, we guard against the wrong stuff. We reject it. And how do we know it's wrong? Because we've intentionally put in the right stuff. And number three is we train our mind. Yes. Gosh. You know, that's a, and, you know, dad, dad said this, the, the number one cause of a poor self-image is a lack of unconditional love. Mm. And when you have uh, some of these negative thoughts that run through our head, wait a second, we are worth it. Man, look, look at who we are, what, what, what we were created to do. Yeah. Man, and it's unconditional. Yeah. Go back to that original quote. Hey, the reason you're, you know, don't worry about your calling being so huge and daunting. God's already factored in mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, he loves you anyway. He gave it to you anyway. Yeah. In fact, because you've had to fight through the flaws and overcome it, that makes you better to do it than somebody else. Yeah. So not only are you worth it, man, you're the only one who can. God's already factored in my stupidity. <laughs> it's just laughable. And it's just so true um, because we can't be, we can't be perfect. We can't fully arrive. So man, good stuff. Again, as always, thank you for everybody who shared and Tom, it's always a gift to uh, hear your own experience, hear your wisdom. Thank you, brother. You got it. Well, friends, there you go. Your self-talk, that voice inside your head, your thoughts from this show, you know, you must take this area of your life captive. It's paramount and will sabotage every other effort that you do. Here's to you taking the reins coming up in show 715. We're going to bring you value. As of this show publishing, we're considering bumping another show up to coincide with some current news in the media. So uh, I'm a little unsure exactly yet. So I just commit to you. It'll be a great show. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.